Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. weekend for Ernie. I'm Monty and we are the sports rivals and it's a relatively slow week in sports unless you're a race car fan. It's the Daytona 500. It's your Super Bowl of auto racing. But Ernie, let's get after it the best way that we can. We're going to start off with NBA All-Star Weekend. The game is going on right now. I think it's irrelevant. The score right now is 158-141 at the end of the third quarter in a very defensive uh, focused game. Ernie Celtics are lighting it up. Tatum has 44 points through the first three quarters. Uh, Oh, geez, just like a typical Celtic would be. (laughs) But I think for me, the highlight of All-Star Weekend has to be last last night's slam dunk contest. I mean, after last year's debacle um, where there was talk about getting rid of it. Yeah, canceling it. it bounced back with a very unexpected person leading the charge. Your thoughts on the yeah, dumb contest? I, I really didn't think it was unexpected. When I saw his name, name on the board, I was like quite intrigued. I saw a little bit of uh, TikTok videos on him before. And actually, I was telling you, Monty, right before, uh, right before we got on, on, on air was, was that I, I tuned into the contest about an hour earlier, which allowed me to look at, you know, Earlier videos of Mac won the the venture winner Mac McClung, and you know good for him, good for him. I mean, prior to this, he was on the uh, in the G League. He's cut from the NBA three times, won by your Lakers. Yep. You know, uh, earlier this season he was with the Golden State Warriors and the Chicago Bulls. Now he's with the 76ers on a 10-day contract. I I hope he does well because he made some. Spectacular dunks. I, I love it when the small man plays a big man's game. You know, and, and his competition, you know, was 6'9", you know, Trey Murphy the third. You had Jericho Sims, 6'9 or 6'10 out there. And Mac McClung is all of what, 6'2"? If, if that. that, if that, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a very impressive showing. I mean, yeah. If you, he was a YouTube sensation um, just coming out of college. I was excited when the Rams signed him as a free agent. He was exciting. He plays. You know, if, if you guys remember back, he has a Jason Williams white chocolate from the Sacramento Kings in the days of right. Chris Webber type of flair. Not quite that pistol Pete Maravich type as as Williams, but he plays with that kind of flair. And I think that's probably what gets him in trouble, you know, and trying to stick at the NBA level. So I was really disappointed in the preseason this year when I saw him on the Golden State Warriors roster. I was like, oh, no, we let him go. What is this? What if he develops? Um, and then I turn and I see him on the on a Bulls roster for like a 10-day contract. And then last night he shows up in a 76er uniform. Uh-huh. So he's well-traveled. I was telling Ernie just before we got on the air that his career earnings in two years was 104000 I believe. He made 100000 last night in the dunk contest. <laughs> so he almost doubled his career earnings. And he got a Puma shoe deal. So he oh, that's is probably on, worth more than all of that. He's on his way to some uh, financial prosperity. So if he can't make it in the NBA... 
he can always make it on the professional dunkers tour. Oh, definitely. Uh, because he was spectacular. I mean, his oh, dunks at his height, he, and he doesn't miss. So every single one, he just goes there. He has charisma. He looked like he was going to jump over two people. Then he put the guy on top of his shoulders. And that was his first dunk, knocking it off the uh, off the backboard and reverse dunking it. Ernie and I did that with our Nerf hoop before. <laughs> <laughs> but in the past, there was a movie called White Man Can't Jump. Mac McClung had a different frame of mind. He was jumping through the roof. It was exciting. It yeah, was great that, to see. That, that last dunk, that 540 degree, that that full turn and a half, and then he did the he did the VC. It's over. Yeah, he did. I can barely spin around 540 just on the ground. He did that in the air. It was spectacular. I mean, it was it was awesome, and I think. Everyone was excited, so I think it brought some excitement to the slam dunk contest because really the slam dunk contest has always been from the days of Jordan and Dominique, the highlight of All-Star Weekend. 2016, the battle with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon is probably one of the two greatest dunk competitions ever along with the Dominique Jordan one, but it's been a tale of let's just have good rookie dunkers yeah all the best dunkers lebron's never done it zion's never done it john moran's never done it they may never do it but uh i think having this outside person that surprised many um be exciting i think uh, it gives it gives the nba hope for salvaging the dunk contest and making it a viable uh Something that is must-see TV. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's sad that uh, Zion and John won't do it. In my opinion, that's a little greedy. On their, they kind of want to monetize their product. I mean, just the way that John Morant said it, he had an interview with, uh, 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 I forgot what her name is, Malika uh, from uh, ESPN. And it sounded just like, he, I mean, I, I can see it from his point. He wants people to see him do it at the games. So I mean, there a hundred thousand dollar prize to him is 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 pennies. The same thing with uh, you know with Zion over there. I mean, they should give back to the NBA. I, I agree. I mean, because it's it certainly helped Michael Jordan's brand. Yeah. I mean, it helped all those guys as they were coming up. The Kobe's, all right. of the greatest, um, really had that competitive spirit to want to be the slam dunk champion yeah. now they seem to be afraid of what if they lose what if they make a mistake yeah. will that hurt their brand i really don't think it will but that's what the slam dunk contest has become over yeah. the last 10 years or so so congratulations to mac mcclung you salvaged all-star weekend in my opinion you're really the only thing that i watched i saw the highlights of dame Dame time winning the three-point yeah. contest uh, at the very, very end to knock off Buddy Hill by one point. The celebrity game was on Friday. That's fun if you like that, if you like to celebrity watch. The uh, the competition, the skills challenge was all right. The Utah boys won de- defending their home court. But Mac McClung, that's the highlight. <laughs> Other than that, there wasn't a whole lot happening in the world of the NBA. You know, Kevin Love got cut. Um, he's signing with the Heat. I don't think Ernie and I agree. Non-factor. I don't think that that's you know earth shattering news. Right now, Russell Westbrook is still contemplating if he's going to take the buyout, and if so, what team does he want to play with? The loudest noise continues to be the Clippers want him. 
Um, for the life of me, I don't know why. Yeah, I, um, I heard otherwise. I heard maybe the Bulls, but the Clippers are the most aggressively seeking him where he has interest. Yeah. Because I get it from Russell Westbrook's perspective. He doesn't have to move. He's living in L.A. now. He can stay in the same, literally the same arena. So it totally makes sense for him to stay. It doesn't really make sense for him to go to Chicago. They're not really going anywhere this year. Um, And some of the other teams that he's mentioned to be going to, I, I just don't see it making sense for the team or for Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Last word I heard from uh, a report on the Clippers side was that they're afraid of his uh, his toxic attitude. Apparently, right before he left the Lakers, he did a lot to that locker room. You know, he, uh, you would know better than me. Yeah. I don't know sure if if that. Was well, I mean, true. I mean, that's why I'd say it's kind of like it's 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 addition by subtraction, getting him out of there. I think he'd gotten to the point where he was so frustrated. We were watching um, a, a game here where we're like, "What's taking him so long? He didn't get off the court. the court." Remember that? Exactly. He was just dragging himself, and that was kind of the last yeah. straw. Because Darvin right Ham, that, Darvin Ham got that into an it. argument. That right? was. That was it for for him at that point in time. So, yeah, I mean, at this point in in Russell Westbrook's career, I think the world sees one thing and he sees something else. He still sees himself. But there's a reason why he's been traded five times in the last five and a half years. So I wish him well. He still plays hard. He's just not the same. So we have around 25 games left in the NBA season. We'll see what happens. Um, Can my Lakers come from 13, get in? We'll have to see. I believe at this point in time, they're going to have to go 18 and 8 or something close to that. We're going to need AD and LeBron to stay healthy. I think they got a chance. I, I seriously think they got it. This, that team that they put together, I think if they picked up Kyrie, that would have been the worst move. I think this iteration of the L.A. Lakers is better for them now, better for them in the future. That I agree with. I think the future is, is brighter. It's a matter of can LeBron and AD stay healthy. Uh, and if they can, I think the Lakers can make noise. Can, can, no, can no, make some noise. No, I, I think noise. they can make some noise. And then in your Celtics case, I think the fact that Giannis is hurt, he hurt his wrist, he's going to be out. They had won like, what, 12 in a row. Um, I think you take him out, Milwaukee will come back to earth a little bit. I think that should secure the number one seed for Boston, which I believe is really important. I think so. And they went ahead and permanently named the coach, the permanent coach. So right. there's no chance that Emi is coming back with the Boston oh, Celtics. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've been on YouTube all week arguing the fact. I mean, there's still some haters out there, you know, saying that he's too young, that Emi got jobbed in regards to the Celtics organization, uh, you know, uh, uh, suspending him in the first place. And, you know, whatever your thought is on that, that situation, I really think the Celtics did right. I don't think they, they, they could have uh, kept... Even if they wanted to, it would have been a... And PR disaster. Exactly, yeah. it would have been it would have been bad. So I, mean, I think this has worked out nicely for them because I, they are having so much success that I think everyone just assumed that this was going to happen anyway. Um, and it makes if if they were ten games on if they were the Lakers, then there would be some clamoring. There may be some controversy, but they got the best record in all of NBA or at least the East. Um, this is the perfect case scenario for him. Yeah, I, 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 I think so. And, and congrats to him for being able to galvanize the team, you know, to to get to this. Because it could easily have gone the other way. And he's still learning. There's no doubt about it. Exactly. He's young. He's still learning. It helps, though, to have that kind of talent. 
to be learning. Oh, definitely. So we'll see. I, I think the only part that if I was a Celtic fan that would make me a little nervous is in the playoffs if he has to go up against a really good quality X's and O's type coach like a Spostra. Um, you know, that, that I think would be a little bit concerning from the outside. Yeah. I have the same fear with Darvin Ham. You know, he's a rookie coach. If he has to go up against Steve Kerr, um, those coaches are great coaches for a reason. Yeah. Coaching does matter. So I, 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 I tend to agree with you on top of that. I mean, I know his background is more on uh, the scouting part. I mean, he was, he was loud. So the preparation part. Exactly, the preparation part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in-game, it's yet to be seen. He's, yeah. He has to prove himself from that standpoint. Well, but they're in first place, so I think that's the great way to start. So that's Ernie Aymonti. We are the sports rivals. Again, it is a relatively slow week. We're going to talk a little bit about NFL, and we're going to hit my favorite thing lists we're gonna knock out our favorite (laughs) nfl players of all time by position and our favorite baseball players of all time by position but let's talk about the nfl couple of things that were dominating talk this week it was three quarterbacks it's Derek carr meeting with the new york jets so i want ernie's opinion on where he believes Derek carr is going to end up then i think what more people are interested in is will the ravens or the packers trade Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers. So let's knock this out one at a time. Let's start with probably the biggest name, Aaron Rodgers. Does Green Bay trade Aaron Rodgers? Does Aaron Rodgers retire or will he be back in Green Bay? Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, does not go back to Green Bay. I think the bridge is burned on both fronts, from Aaron Rodgers' side and from the Green Bay backer's side. I think it's going to be... Jordan Love time. If not Jordan Love, a trade will happen there. Maybe you get um, a merry-go-round, you know, with those three quarterbacks uh, happening. But uh, we'll see. It depends on how how well the Green Bay Packers believe in Jordan Love. I know his last start, he didn't fare too well. I mean, it, 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 may, be a, it may be part where, who knows, maybe Derek Carr goes to Green Bay Aaron Rodgers retires because I think there's only two things that's going to happen to to Aaron Rodgers. He goes to the Jets or he retires. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, I think the Jets have made it loud and clear that they're aggressively going to seek Aaron Rodgers. Um, So if I'm the Green Bay Packers, you have the Jets with the 13th pick. You're going to you're going to need at least that. They also have a ton of young talent. Maybe you can siphon off some talented person i heard trades that included sauce gardner that ain't happening the jets are not going to give up sauce gardner for aaron Rodgers because you're lucky if you have aaron Rodgers for one or two years right so what if you're going to trade for him jets what you're saying is you are playoff super bowl ready and all you're missing is the quarterback i may not be there yet but certainly our a healthy aaron Rodgers that's motivated would elevate the Jets, certainly in, to be competitive with the Dolphins at least, and even the Buffalo Bills, who I expect are going to take a step back this year uh, again. So I agree. I think he's either going to retire or he's going to be there because reports say this week, I heard reports of rumblings that the Packers are done with Aaron Rodgers. He, they're disgusted with him already. That was the word that was used, which seems a little bit powerful. That's strong. But this is what they were talking about. Uh, Chris Broussard, guys were talking about the other day. It seems strong. It seems a little maybe fabricated or, or 
I, I don't know. That it doesn't seem like they would say that those kinds of things with somebody who's a four-time MVP for them. But they're done with him, and I get it. You know, because at this point they're not winning with him. They're winning, but they're not winning at all with him. And at some point you're going to have to move on. So if they can get a quality pick, like the 13th pick, and maybe another asset, get rid of his salary. I would say that that's the way to go. So at this point in time. Because we all know, if you're following sports, you know that Aaron Rodgers this weekend is in some dark place, literally. I don't mean that figuratively. He's at some darkness camp where you spend this time in darkness to clear your mind. Um, He does some far out stuff on that holistic approach, but he's supposed to be ready to make a decision at some point this week what he wants to do. It sounds like the Packers don't care what he wants to do, but I'm sure the team trading for him would. Like the Jets are not going to trade for him just for him to retire. So that's not going to work. So we'll have to see with that. Now, I think the thing that is more interesting for you as a Steeler fan would be the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Could they really get rid of him? I think they get rid of him if he remains stubborn. You know, I mean, let's just say this. Lamar Jackson is is a really, really good talent. Uh, Huntley spells him, but as you see, it's not the same thing. I mean, it's just that something special that Lamar has that brings him over the top. But uh, Lamar is injured and injured often, and his style of play contributes to that yeah it's conducive you know just the fact that you're constantly running the ball it's conducive to that so i am fascinated by this situation because you know the same pundits out there that said you gotta pay dak you gotta pay kyler you gotta pay deshaun are now saying you gotta pay lamar everybody always wants to pay everybody but from a business perspective it makes absolutely no sense to give lamar jackson 250 million dollars guaranteed yeah it makes zero sense to commit 50 million dollars a year guaranteed which is what he wants he wants more than deshaun watson so the whole world is looking at the idiotic cleveland browns and how they handle their business financially there's a reason why they've never won yeah and they want to duplicate that, saying that, that that's the precedent. The retarded, never mind. The, the, the incompetent Browns agree to give Deshaun Watson this, so everybody else from now on has to get that kind of a guaranteed deal. And you don't, you don't do that, and the Ravens will not do they're that. Not gonna, they're, they're too well run. Yeah, not they gonna, are not going to do that. I think they're going to get to the point, and they control things. They can franchise him for two years. And if he's willing to pay and take a risk on going on, on, under a franchise tag, which if I'm Lamar Jackson, to me that would be crazy. Like if they're offering him 165 to $175 million guaranteed on a $250 million contract, I would jump at that in a heartbeat because if he were to get hurt, on the franchise tag, he may never see $175 million yeah, exactly. total. And because of his style of play, it is very, very risky. To me, he needs to get himself an agent and not just work with mom and himself trying to negotiate because I think I think he's in, he's in trouble. So where I hear that there's interest in Lamar would be places like Atlanta. And I'm like, why would he want to go to Atlanta? He's in a situation now where he's got a great offensive line, a good running game. Why would he want to go to Atlanta? Yes, they have Pitts. Yes, they have Drake London. But they haven't proven that they can win. I I, I wouldn't understand that, but I hear that. 
Um, and also the Jets. You know, the Jets are kind of committed to getting somebody. They're going to go after every single quarterback that's out there on the market until they land one. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. Now, for him to go to the Jets, I think that kind of makes sense. I think he fits the Jets. Um, but what are the Jets going to give up for him? And will the Jets commit to that kind of payment uh, for him? I don't think I, so. I, and I think that's the case. I'm tired of people saying you got to pay him. They're the next man up. He's good. He's won an MVP. Yes, he's won an MVP. Yes, he wins 70% of his games that he starts. But yes, he has missed 16 games the last two years. He's a running quarterback that's not a good pocket passer. Exactly. He's not going to age well. He's not going to age well. And you you, don't commit to that. You hit it right on the money. He is not a pocket quarterback. If he was a decent pocket quarterback, if he threw like, uh, let's say, like how Jalen Hurts played, you know, through the playoffs, he played very well in the pocket. And you, uh, you could trust him a little bit more. You know, I would pick. I, I, I would be more apt to pick him. But he's not. He's not. He, his game is predicated upon his athleticism. We've seen it with RG three. We've seen it with a number of quarterbacks, the Michael Vicks of this mm-hmm. world. Any injury, and he's had plenty already, diminishes him exponentially. This could be a. This could be a type where you know he's on top of. The, he's he's. You know, all pro caliber this year, and then the next two years, second string quarterback level. Yeah, and that's why that's where the danger is in a guaranteed five year contract. I don't think he's going to get it. I think he's going to stay with the Ravens. They're going to franchise him, and if he decides not to play on the franchise, then that's going to be up to him. But I don't think the Ravens are going to acquiesce to him, and I don't think they're going to cave yeah. into him. And I, you know, people say Lamar is not a pocket passer. He's not a passer because he has no talent. But the Ravens have tried. They drafted Hollywood Brown in the first round. They drafted Rashad Bateman in the first round. And then they're, then Hollywood Brown's like, I, I want out of here. <laughs> we don't throw the ball enough. I can't get my stats here. They have one of the best tight ends in football in Mark Andrews. Um, so there is talent there. But their bread and butter is running the football. You know, so I, I, I don't I don't think I think he stays. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to go. Um, at this point in time, I think the Jets are going to get him. That would be my guess. Or he's going to retire, like you said. I think Lamar Jackson's going to stay. Me too. Derek Carr, I think, would be the third place guy. If the Jets don't get one of the other two, I think they will go hard after Derek Carr. I just don't know if Derek Carr is going to wait for that or if he's going to take a higher offer. Carolina Panthers is what I'm hearing is the leading candidate to go and get Derek Carr and be willing to pay him sort of what he was going to be making, which is $40 million a year. He's also spoken to the Saints. I've heard some rumors about possibly going to Tampa Bay. Because Tom Brady's now gone. That's a great situation for him. If they can fit his salary there with those receivers and the offensive line coming back, I think that's set up nicely for him. And I think that would immediately keep Tampa Bay relevant uh, versus what they currently have. So I think Derek Carr, is, if he's smart, he takes his time and lets the things play out. But if somebody's going to come hot and heavy after him and pay him an absurd amount of money, then I completely understand if he signs and takes somebody. So it's it's kind of interesting because I think those three dominoes have to fall first before we start to consider things like 
Garoppolo right. and the second tier guys. Giants are committed to Daniel Jones. I'm hearing his salary is going to be somewhere around $35 million a year wow. that the Giants are going to extend him at. Um, so we'll see. I don't know about that for Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, at this point, again, I guess it's it's that mentality of next man up. If Burrow and Herbert sign extensions this offseason, they're going to blow things out of the water as well, those two guys. So we'll have to see. The, other, the last thing is Kansas City Chiefs, can they repeat? Well, one thing happened this week that's going to make it a little bit more challenging possibly. Eric Bieniemy finally said, if the only way I can try to get a head coaching job is to get away from Andy Reid, I'm going to do so. He's now the new offensive coordinator for the offensive strapped Washington commander. So if he can turn that offense around and he's still not hired, then something is wrong. Yeah. That guy has paid his due. He's Ernie, he's applied. He's had 16 interviews over the last few years um, and failed to get one head coaching job. That's just miraculous to well, me. Either he's just a terrible interviewer, uh, interviewer or or there's yeah, there's something up. There's some pre- there's there's some prejudice in, you know, in that process. Cuz he's, he's he was great. I mean, I still remember him at Colorado as a running back. I mean, he was he was great coming out of college. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's had he's 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 definitely had success with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh-huh. I mean, there's no question about that. I mean, a lot of people might say, "Oh yeah, he's got all the pieces there," but if you're right, if he can do it without the likes of Mahomes, without the likes of Tyreek Hill, without the likes of uh, Travis Kelsey, yeah, all those, uh, you know, future All Pros, uh, Hall of Famers. Then he definitely, if at that point, he will get a. I'd be shocked if he didn't get a head coaching job. Uh, so would I. And then, so on the other side, the Philadelphia Eagles lost both coordinators. One is coaching the Coats. One is coaching the Cardinals. And Gannon, Gannon takes the next guy, the the linebacker coach, to be his uh, defensive coordinator. So the Eagles are going to have to restructure their staff. It's something that the Rams have had to deal with. And I believe that's one of the reasons why the Rams have struggled recently is it's hard to continually develop staff and have them leave. There's no continuity. There's no consistency. There's there's different people trying to coach things. It makes it a challenge. So the Eagles are going to have to try to figure out a way not to let that be the burden. And then Brian Flores, he left your Steelers. He's now going to the Vikings and turn around that horrific defense that really cost them this year so my ex-offensive coordinator uh, O'Donnell your defensive coach Brian Flores there I think they make a good match I mean if he can fix the defense O'Donnell will take care of the offense Minnesota could be could be even more dangerous next year they could I was a little I was quite uh, I was I was not quite disappointed I was a little disappointed on you know, the defense this year, I'm not sure how much he had to play because he wasn't the defensive coordinator. He was the linebackers right. coach, uh, defensive associate coach. Uh, maybe he should have, maybe the Steelers should have offered him a defensive coordinator position because the Steelers defense this year, albeit that TJ uh, Watt was out for a better part of the year. And when he came back, he was not at 100%. I right. mean, we, we, could, we could all see that. Uh it was still, in my opinion, a letdown season for the defense. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, if he ends up turning on that Minnesota defense, like you said, then 
The he'll Steelers, get another head coaching job. He'll get another head coaching job, and the Steelers will definitely change coordinators. <laughs> 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 All right, so that's Ernie Armonti. We are the sports rivals, and I'm a big list guy, so let's let's attack this right now, Ernie, and let's get after it. We're going to talk about our favorite, okay, not the best, but our favorite. So it's going to be heavily skewed towards our favorite teams, I would think. So we'll start with the offense. I'll go first. Okay. So my favorite offensive players of all time. My favorite quarterback, Kurt Warner. My favorite two running backs, Eric Dickerson and Marshall Falk. My favorite wide receivers, one, current, Cooper Cup. One, the greatest of all time, Jerry Rice. Only two. I'm not going by modern rules. I only have two wide receivers. My favorite tight end of all time dates back a bit to Air Coriel. Kellen Winslow. Wow. Kellen Winslow reshaped what the tight end position was, becoming such a dominant pass catcher, Hall of Famer. I'll never forget. I was a kid in San Francisco watching the playoff game that went to overtime. His leg was broken. (laughs) Against Miami, in Miami. I remember the game. And the Chargers came out and won, and he was unbelievable they carried they carried him they off literally the, carried, carried him, him off, off the, the field. field so he's my favorite tight end you know the recency bias you can say there's a lot of people now currently or just recently retired that you can talk about but i'll go back to kellen winslow who i think redefined what a tight end is oh, yeah. and my two favorite offensive linemen i'm only doing two not not all the positions um jackie slater big number 78 um, for the Los Angeles Rams in the 70s and early 80s. And then Orlando Pace, the big tackle who we traded up to get. He redrafted him number one overall. He was a big anchor for the Kurt Warner days. Yeah, two Hall of Famers. Uh, two Hall of Famers there. So heavy influence of Rams on my offense with one 49er Jerry Rice and one Charger Kellen Wislow. Let's go to your offense. Okay, I, I mean, I only got it from two teams. Every, uh, if, if you're familiar with this podcast, I'm a big Steelers fan. My second team are all San Francisco teams, except when they're playing my my favorite teams. So I got, I got three 49ers and the rest are Pittsburgh Steelers. Joe Montana has to be my favorite quarterback at all time. The catch... The catch almost changed me, <laughs> almost changed my allegiance. The Steelers were going through a 10-year drought during that time when Joe Montana uh, threw that pass and the uh, 49ers were hitting up and beating, you know, having a big rival against my hated team at that time, the Dallas Cowboys. That made me fall in love with the 49ers. It did me too. Yeah, I so... Mean, I so, became a 49er yeah. fan that day too. Yeah, so f- that... Montana is my all-time... Hey, we had that Terry Bradshaw... Terry Bradshaw had a... had a bad going out party with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like him better as an announcer to tell you the truth rather than him having him as a player. Ben Roethlisberger uh, had his off-field issues. I like him. He's just not my favorite. I like Joe Montana. Okay. My two favorite wide receivers is Heinz Ward and Jerry Rice. Heinz Ward was just your typical... I mean, you had your Antonio Browns, probably a better catcher, but he had attitude. Heinz Ward did everything nobody else wanted. He he revolutionized the... Mm -hmm. 
the crack. I mean, they made rules for Heinz Ward. They couldn't do the crack back because he was a great. He was actually like one of the bit, the best blocking wide receivers of all time. I mean, a little people know that he caught a hundred passes when, uh, really the passing wasn't as prolific as it was today. And he was always there. He was he played every time, and he always had the biggest smile. The biggest smile out there, and he was he was half he was half Asian. His mom was uh, was full Korean, brought up in Georgia, you know, played for the Georgia Bulldogs, you know, and yeah, he I have a picture of him right on my wall of here, my favorite and Jerry Rice, who cannot like Jerry, just his work ethic, the all time, you know, he, his records. If someone breaks his records, it's just because they modified the game. You know, no one can beat Jerry Rice's records if they follow the same path as him. That's just my opinion. At least in my lifetime, I don't think I'm going to be living for the next 40 years. So I, I seriously thought that. Well, that would make you 130. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. My favorite running back is actually something, somebody that the Rams dumped. Oh, Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis, the bus. I love the bus. The best trade the Pittsburgh Steelers ever did with the Rams. <laughs> right after he left the Rams, he had a Hall of Fame career running all over. And right before he retired and the Super Bowl was in his hometown in Michigan, you know, he brought us to the promised land, albeit he almost fumbled against the Indianapolis Colts on a two-yard line, but they made it over there. My second one is going to be Le'Veon Bell. I just love his versatility. To me, uh it was a sad day when he left. I mean, he was never the same running back no. after that. He was a bi- basically a system type of running back. He fit the Steelers system so well. And if he stayed with the Steelers, I think he could have had a Hall of Fame career. But my favorite tight end is going to be Heath Miller. Uh, not your most uh, flamboyant uh, tight end out there, but he did what he had to do. He caught passes. He was very reliable on it. If the ball touched his hands, he caught the ball. And he was one of the best blocking tight ends out there. You know, multiple time all pro and pro bowler. So he's my favorite. My favorite center is going to be Marquise Ponce. Steelers had a lot of good centers. Mike Webster, Dermonte Dawson, uh, but Ponce is my favorite. A name that people will not know on this list, my favorite tackle is Tunch Ilkin. Tunch Ilkin uh, grew up in Turkey. His family did not know about football. He got into football late in his in 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 his uh, relatively late in, in his life because the, his high school coach actually recruited him. He did so well; he was able to be recruited. Uh, uh, but his biggest impact was as an announcer. He was a Steelers uh, sideline announcer for the for the radio station for like the last 20, 30 years. And his energy uh, on that field and his genuine, genuine, I mean, I, when he passed away uh, last year, I literally had, uh, I had, I, uh, it, was, it was a hard day for me. He, 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 was, he was that beloved. If you're not a Steeler fan and, and if you're a Steeler fan, uh, you all know who Tunch Ilkin is more as an announcer than a player. But for this purpose, he was my favorite tackle. Uh, another San Francisco 49er here as uh, offensive lineman Jesse Sapolu played on all those Super Bowls with uh, Montana and Rice University of Hawaii product 
our first really big name to come out of the University of Hawaii did so well. I had no idea. This guy was a late round draft pick and he was perennial pro. Very proud to have. Uh, he represented Hawaii very well. And then outside of that, uh, Mike Munchak, all pro for many years with the Tennessee Titans. But for me, he was the Steelers offensive line coach. The best in my, in, at least in the 2000s, the best offensive lines came when he was the offensive office line coach. And for that reason, I like Mike Munchak. And, All and, right. And that's my list. All right. So I'm curious to see what you guys uh, will say. You know, uh, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us what you think. I'm going to rip through my defense. Now, only a couple of Rams on this defense. There's a common thread, though, on the ones that are not uh, Rams that we'll get to at the end. But here's my defensive line. We're going to go with Jack Youngblood. From the 70s, from my Los Angeles Rams, Jack Blonblug, Youngblood, and Bruce Smith would be my outside pass rushers on a four-man front. Inside would be Warren Sapp and Aaron Donald, the wow. best defensive player of no all Deacon time. No Deacon Jones. No Deacon Jones. I don't remember him, Ernie. That was in your days. <laughs> <laughs> I had that coming. <laughs> My linebackers are unbelievable. Outside, you have Lawrence Taylor, arguably the greatest defensive player, not named Aaron Donald, and Derek (laughs) Thomas, who was an unbelievable pass rusher, record-setting pass rusher, still holds the record for seven sacks in a game, died early in an accident uh, while he was still a player for the Kansas City Chiefs. But Derek Thomas, and in the middle, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis would be my middle linebacker. My... Defensive backs, my corners would be current Ram, Jalen Ramsey, along with prime time. There's nobody better than prime time at shutting down one side. I I kind of have a feeling where Ernie's going to go here. And then my safeties, Ed Reed and Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor, the heavy hitter who was unfortunately murdered at a very young age before he even entered his prime, was just a cruncher at that safety position. So I have three Rams, Youngblood, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey, and I have four Miami Hurricanes <laughs> with Warren Sapp, Ray, Ray Lewis, Lewis, Ed Reed, and Sean no Taylor. No okay, that's the common denominator over there. Four oh. Miami Hurricanes, three Rams, but a real spread out defensive team for me in terms of my favorites. Okay, that How kind, about you? That kind of makes sense. Okay, I'm going to kind of duplicate. Uh, let me go backwards. Let me start with my defensive backfield okay. first. I'm going to concur with you in regards to Neon Dion as one. I mean... The man was just it. I mean, at the time that he ran the four, it was the fastest time ever. He held that record for how many years? I think it was only in the last 10 years that that 40 uh, time uh, was not uh, broken. On the opposite side of him, I have Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson was the man coming out of Purdue. I mean, he was a track guy also. Mm -hmm. Not only did he play uh, cornerback, but he also made the Pro Bowl as a safety playing for the... The other guys, though, the Ravens out there. I'll, I'll forgive Rod for that because at, when, when he became a Hall of Famer, he chose the right team on top of that. So he, 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 he's those, those two are the two best corners of all time. I mean, I like Jalen because of he helped the Rams win a Super Bowl. But if I'm being honest, Rod Woodson is better than Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, you, you'd have, yeah, there, that's, that's a very good argument on top of that. My safety, you chose Reed. I'm going to choose his contemporary, 
Troy Polamalu. Troy Polamalu just, I mean, talk about uh, an instinctive safety. That guy did incredible, incredible things. I thought as far as technique was concerned, Ed Reed was the better safety. I thought Troy Polamalu was the more instinctive safety, but both very good safeties. I'm going to go with another heavy hitter. You, you uh uh, on the upside of you, I'm going with. I'm going back to my 49ers, my second favorite team, Ronnie Lott. I mean, that guy was that guy was our linebacker turned safety. I mean, that's what he was. He was a line. I believe it was UCLA that he came out of. USC, USC. Okay, but lot the hardest hitting safety at that particular time. The you know one of the anchors of that uh, vaunted defense. On my defensive line, I'm going with my hometown. I'm going with Cam Hayward. I love him because of his attitude. The guy's always positive. He lifts up his team, you know, good in the locker room as well as on the field. I got to go with Mean Joe Green, even though I don't remember him playing. Just everything I've heard of, of, of him resonates. I remember... His Pepsi commercials. Don't let Ernie fool you. He definitely remembers <laughs> me and Joe Green. <laughs> was it Pepsi or Coke? It was Coke. It was Coke. My apologies. I remember the Coke throwing yeah. his jersey to that. Probably little. the greatest TV commercial in history. <laughs> yeah, he down said Coke. I, I couldn't do that. I, or I'd be burping like uh, for the next 15 minutes. And then my uh, uh, other defensive down lineman would be Reggie White. Uh, Elvis Presley impersonator himself. I just love Reggie White. I mean, he played on Green Bay Packers and Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles. He'll be in the Hall of Fame for both organizations. He was that good. My linebackers, I'm going to duplicate you, Lawrence Taylor, the man amongst boys. I'm going to go with uh, a Polynesian boy out of San Diego Chargers. Unfortunately, he passed away. Junior Seau. I loved him. I just wish maybe in retrospect that he took some games off now. I mean, he's going to change his game because uh, in spite of what he did because of CT, in my opinion. But, man, you can't fault him. I mean, I guess you can't fault him, but the guy definitely gave his all. Too much, if you can say that. Junior Seau. Other outside linebackers, my, um, I mean, it's, it's got to be T.J. Watt. Defensive player of your eye, he's not done, folks. I think uh, if he was healthy this year, uh, it would have been a different. He he would uh, he would have made a run for the defensive player of the year. He's just that good. I mean, the defense totally changed with him out there. When when the Steelers went through that losing streak when he was out, they only won one game. And then when he's in there, even though he's not at full strength, uh, they have winning records because you have to plan against that man. And then James Harrison is going to be on my other side. The guy was only six foot one. The guy played like he was seven foot one. I mean, the, to me, the, one of the strongest linebackers in NFL history. Uh, I love how that man, I mean, the, the guy never smiled hardly on the field. People were afraid of him just because of the attitude. Totally fit the Pittsburgh Steeler motto. Yeah, he did. So what I'm surprised with Ernie's picks is that the most dominant era in Steeler history was it was in the 70s. And there's not a lot of players that you have on your favorite team from that time. There's no Lynn Swan. No. There's no John Stallworth. Uh, there's no Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, Donnie Shell, Mel Blunt. All of these guys that were Hall of Famers. Yeah. So 
Ernie went modern. He's trying to prove to everyone he's young at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Going with the young'uns, loading yeah. his team with oh, people Joe like Green. Cam Hayward and TJ Watt. I got Joe Green. Yeah, you do. You have me and Joe Green because you couldn't not, you couldn't leave you know me and Joe Green out. Um, but that's our team. That, those are our favorite football teams. So again, I'm curious to see if you guys have any opinions who your favorites are. Uh, you can you can again go to Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, and please share that information. So that took a little bit longer than I thought. So we're gonna hold off on the baseball top okay. ones. We'll do baseball next week because again, it's not another busy week. Pitchers and catchers are reporting. Baseball will start to be more relevant next week. So we'll cover our baseball favorites next week. So what I'm going to do for my closing thought, Ernie, is we had somebody on social media say, hey, you know what would be a great topic for a podcast or during the podcast would be uh, athletes who are philanthropic. So this originated from a post that I shared in regards to Kareem commending LeBron James for breaking his record and saying he's always going to support LeBron and, and toot LeBron's horn, not necessarily for just what happens on the court, but more importantly, what happens off the court. And there are a couple of things that came out this week as well. One smaller scale, one bigger scale from a philanthropic standpoint. Russell uh, Westbrook, who we talked about, right. uh, he may have his problems on the court, but there's one thing that he does not have a problem with, and that is his heart. After getting traded by the Lakers, before leaving, he donated 400 pairs of shoes to underprivileged kids in the Los Angeles okay. area okay. on his way out. So he did that. He's always doing those kinds of things with his shoes, with his clothes. He has a clothesline. Right. Uh, many people know that he's a designer. So that was the small thing. And then the big one the other day, Michael Jordan donated $10 million to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Personally, here in Hawaii, in my in my job at Watanabe Floral, we continually work with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and they do an incredible job because what they do has proven to help kids survive at much higher rates. Michael Jordan said he's been making wishes come true now for 30 years, decided to give $10 million. So that is how this, this topic originated. So when you look and you Google the most philanthropic um, athletes in the world there's some surprises and then there's some that kind of makes sense so the tops the top five or six michael phelps is is right there at number six apparently he's heavily involved in certain charities i'm going to call up my screen again to make sure that i i quote the charities correctly here is this is are we going based upon dollar amounts donated that is what I believe that they're talking about, you know, in terms of, of the causes that they're. I'm sorry, gang, my screen is frozen. Let me call this up. Okay, so Michael Phelps is actually number six. I'm going to read through this because they're very short. He's a generous giver, especially when it comes to sick and less privileged children. Phelps has a foundation that helps less privileged kids from different countries. He also donates either cha uh, other charity programs around the globe. When it comes to helping kids in need, you are sure to find Michael Phelps. Number five is Neymar. Neymar Jr. from the world of soccer. Neymar is... Um, huge in fighting the Ebola virus, Ebola disease. He's also established a project to provide clean water in his home country of Brazil. In addition, he has established a project which is the building of an education and sports complex in Brazil. 
Um, next is LeBron James. So with LeBron, he's we all know that he has the LeBron James Academy, and he has a, a ton of things that are educationally based. But his foundation helps children reach their potential through education. So you have the the school age kids, and then he's partnered with the university to offer fully funded scholarships to children who graduate from his academy. Over a thousand kids he's paid for their college so far. Um, And for somebody who had two kids in college or you have one still in college now, that can add up to quite a bit of money. James is also a big donor towards many charity programs. that are specifically designed to help the less privileged. Serena Williams is number three. She has all these programs about helping children in third world countries, specifically Nepal, Bangladesh, and Indonesia go to school. She has an organization that provides fully funded scholarships to children in need. Um, However, only less privileged children in the U.S. are eligible for these scholarships. Williams also makes donations to several clinics and a program that sensitizes people about HIV. The top two athletes, number two athlete, maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I was shocked. Professional wrestler turned movie actor John Cena is the second most charitable athlete in the world. He has a Make-A-Wish Foundation. So what that means, I guess he owns a particular Make-A-Wish that he funds um, and is one of the most popular charity organizations. This foundation grants wishes like we talked about. His has granted wishes to over 500,000 wishes. So John Cena is number two. And the number one most philanthropic athlete is Cristiano Ronaldo. The football, the soccer star is not only famous for his wealth, but also for his charity activities he engages in. He has donated funds to sponsor a cancer program in Portugal. He has also helped to raise awareness and funds for various charity programs. So I think one of the things that we want to talk about is a lot of times we talk a lot about guaranteed money and paying these people. Uh, Sometimes we take for granted how much athletes make, but many of them, not all, but many of them use their wealth, use their star power to make a difference. And you can kind of see it's not just limited. A lot of these are American athletes, but their their goals go far beyond just America. In fact, they're more inclined in some cases to help throughout the world where there is no help coming. Um, and so they, they invest their time, their money, their brand um, to be able to help. Like Michael Jordan gave cash to make a wish. He has used his clout with Nike to do so many things throughout the world. So is LeBron. Uh, many of these companies do that. So it's, it's good to recognize sometimes we treat them as inhuman, as just athletes, not real people. But it's uh, I, I, I thank the... Uh, the person on social media for for raising this as as a potential time so that we can really recognize what athletes are doing off the court, off the field to contribute to society. Because at the end of the day, your legacy in the long run is defined by what you give back and what you're able to pay forward, not just what you do on the court, which is why Kareem is such a big fan of LeBron LeBron. James. So that's just kind of what we wanted to talk about today in regards to this. Any comments on that, Ernie? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of, I'm I'm flabbergasted because a lot of people are going to say, okay, they donate because they make so much money. You know, they have their foundations, that's a tax write-off for them. 
but as I go down this list, uh, I just pulled up the richest athletes in the world. You mentioned Michael Jordan. He's a billionaire. Uh, next to him is Tiger Woods. You didn't mention Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was actually number 11 on this list. It's actually a top 20 list. He came in at number 11. Okay, he should be higher. Because there's, there's to me, there's tax laws that allow you to, to, to donate. That means everybody uh, that you mentioned above him is giving above and beyond that tax break. And to me, that's the most giving part. If I, have, if I, if I had to give $20 million in taxes to the government or to a charity, of course, I'm going to choose a charity. Okay, but a lot of these athletes that you mentioned, the Serena Williams, who's worth less than Tiger Woods, the Neymar, who's probably worth less than Tiger Woods, are donating more than Tiger Woods. So Tiger Woods, I love you, man. You got to help out a little bit more. I know you're helping out. Uh, you may be helping out in, in regards to uh, your time and whatnot. Get higher up that list, you know, because, uh, I mean, these other guys that uh, Mati has met, uh, mentioned, in my opinion, are doing more. I, I, I go back to the quote that I remember. Don't congratulate a bird that can fly. Okay, because they can do it. They have, they have the wings. You're, you're not going to give them a hand because they can do it already. You know, but if, if, if you don't have wings and you can fly, or at least you attempt to fly, that's when you get congratulated. A hero is not determined by the fact that you're more braver than somebody else. A hero is determined by the fact that you're doing something and you're scared as hell of doing it, but you're going to do it anyways. To me, that determines the hero. So for these other athletes out there, I hate to make this a tiger bashing uh, uh, comment from my side, but I'm very shocked that he's not higher up that list because I, I, I really uh, respect that guy as regards to an athlete. He has the, uh, the capacity to do a little bit more, in my opinion. Maybe he will, you know, make me... Make me look stupid, Tiger. Make me look stupid and uh, build another foundation or, or uh, find another way to show me that you're, you're spreading the, you know, the aloha amongst uh, other charities out there because I think you can do a little bit more. All right. So that's, that's, that's our talk about ph uh, philanthropy. So the NBA All-Star Game just ended. It's Team Giannis 184, Team LeBron 175. LeBron loses for the first time, I believe. Yep. Jason Tatum finishes with a cool 55 points. Jalen Brown goes for 35. They play on opposite teams, but they score 90 points between them. Woo! Nobody else shot the ball in the second half except Jason Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> he launched 31 shots, making 22. He took 18 three-pointers today, making 10. Way to go, Jason Tatum. Light it up. <laughs> um, locally, not a lot going on. The University of Hawaii men's basketball team goes on the road. To me, surprising win against Long Beach. Again, when you expect them to lose... They win. When you expect them to win, they lose. They now go to 19-8. and eight. They play tomorrow night against Bakersfield uh, in a game that they should be favored. Let's see if history, recent history shows they beat Long Beach State means they're going to lose to Bakersfield. Hopefully I'm wrong and that does not happen. And again, we're part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Check out Kool Aid and Allen every morning on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM, 760 AM on Wake Up in the Den. All the HBU sports, they've got basketball, volleyball, baseball, everything that you want to get there. OIA Sports, the baseball season is underway. They do a fantastic job. We're very, very, very 
uh, proud and privileged to be a part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. So definitely check them out. Ernie, anything else in the world of sports? I am good. Again, it was a soft week in actual sports, so a lot of time for us to talk favorites. So don't forget, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us who your favorite football players are on offense and defense. And remember, until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.